It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. A tool called Name Your Price. Get a grip on your spending like an industrial vice. It's nice. Beats rolling the dice. I prefer brown rice. Don't carry dumbbells when you walk on thin ice. Splash. Get insurance based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As an offense, when you're running down the field, when you're moving forward, um, when offensive linemen are coming forward to set the huddle, and guys are, you know, they're not coming back to the huddle. That's that's momentum. That's that's when it's fun. And uh, you know, I thought we got into that tonight, and uh, it was a blast. First throw for Keenum. Great protection. Looking down the field for Thielen. What a throw! What he got. What a throw! What a throw! This will be first and goal. They spotted at the two-yard line. Keenum rolling right, and it is a touchdown. Jarius Wright, remember him? Looking to Diggs. And he's all the way to the 30-yard line. Looking to the end zone for Diggs. He went up and got it. And a touchdown for Stephon Diggs. This free play, although I don't see a flag now. Yes, it is. And this is going to go for a touchdown for Diggs. It was a good team win today. Um, Obviously, the offense and Case Keenan played outstanding. Um, you know, but I thought in all three phases we played well. We played well uh, defensively uh, in stopping the run. Um, thought we played well on third downs defensively. Thought the special teams did a nice job. We hit all the kicks and we did a nice job with uh, field position most of the day. Um, and the offense obviously played outstanding. Locked on Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network, episode number 275. And the Minnesota Vikings were victorious yesterday. It's a victory Monday on the podcast. And by the way, this episode brought to you by mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code locked on at mybookie.ag. With Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels, 34 to 17 on the field during the game. And a lot happening yesterday, one of the more notable days, certainly of this NFL season, a couple weeks where, you know, we kind of showed up on Monday saying, well, the games weren't very good. There's a lot of bad offense, a lot of bad line play, some bad coaching. Uh, Yesterday, everything kind of came to a head. And, you know, it started with the national anthem protests from a lot of different teams and a lot of different ways of protest were shown. 
the owners got involved. I think what I appreciated about the Vikings was is that they didn't necessarily feel, you know, the obligation to all do the same thing. There were some guys in the lineup that stood, had their hands over their hearts. There were some who linked arms. The owners, you know, joined the lineup with the linked arms. And I guess that's that's kind of the point, isn't it? Is that, you know, you have the right to do what you want to do. You don't have to kneel down. You don't have to link arms. And the Vikings had sort of diversity in the ways they honored the national anthem yesterday. The owners got involved. I'm not sure a lot of people saw that coming. Uh, what do you think about the way Minnesota handled that situation? Well, I think that just generally around the league, uh, a couple words come to my mind. I would say unity uh, is the number one word. Um, I, I, you know, there's A few teams stayed in the locker room, so we don't even know what they did in the locker room, which is fine. Um, but the other teams that came out, I would say unity is the right word. And and unity, not and as what you said, not all doing the same thing, but unity in supporting each other and each individual person uh, expressing their right to whatever they want to express. Uh, supporting people who want to stand, supporting people who want to take a knee. Uh, to me, that's what it felt like to me is, is unity and support uh, of your fellow teammates and fellow coach. Uh, and, I, and many of the owners also had that same support. Even if they disagree with um, what they're protesting, how they're doing it, uh, I think that the fact that everyone agrees uh, in the league, for the most part everyone agrees in the league, that uh, to support people's individual rights. And, uh, and once you start taking away people's individual rights uh, and you know owners listening to uh, government officials telling them who they should hire and fire, uh, that's when we get in a lot of trouble and democracy starts uh, really going in the wrong direction. Last one on this, and then we'll talk football, I promise. I mean, this is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but did the league get this one right you know, in a rare instance where you know they've, they've kind of been on this fence where, well, we're not really going to endorse Colin Kaepernick getting a job? They've kind of gone a, a weird way on that, but in this case, they came out strongly with the statement and they supported everything that happened yesterday. Did the league make the right call in this case? I mean, I, I believe so. I, I think it's you know more the fact that uh, the league stayed together and they would not let um, the president divide themselves. Uh, and you know, and by the way, on top of it, and people haven't talked about this, I, I believe enough is the conversation about uh, you know helmet injuries. And you know, on top of telling the owners who they should hire and fire, um, he also basically not uh, the fact that the you know there's a there's a problem in in football with head injuries and the NFL is doing whatever they can to try to reduce uh, that risk for the players uh, and all those things and anyone who's been around a player who's had serious you know brain problems after they're done playing it's a terrible thing I I, I know a lot of my old teammates have these issues and. That to me was on top of the you know the, the the players are SOBs and they should be fired, is his lack of regard for player safety, and it's not perfect. Sometimes there's penalties called when it was a good clean hit and and whatever, um, and it's like you know it's it's it seems like it's a it's a a flag football league at this point, but the NFL is doing its best to try to reduce these head injuries. Um, and and to me, that that on on top of all the other stuff he said was something that people haven't been talking about enough is his really lack of regard for for player safety uh, because it doesn't excite him enough. 
CTE is just becoming more and more prevalent with the studies being done. And, you know, the, the studying of it is still not perfect either. They're still trying to figure out a way to, I guess, kind of get a control group and, and figure out exactly how much greater the risk is with football versus other sports. And But it, it is an issue. I mean, people have to realize that. You know, Aaron Hernandez diagnosed with CTE, pretty advanced CTE, and that, that's scary as well. So a lot to digest there, and we certainly can't chew all of that meat off the bone in one show, but we will at least plant that seed, something to think about. Doing this podcast, I'm forced to make a lot of predictions and have a lot of opinions, and people want to know who I'm going to pick in a certain game. And sometimes they want betting advice, and I, I want to tell them that it's not necessarily – who you pick, it's where you're betting. That's why I recommend mybookie.ag. They've got a rock-solid reputation. They do 100% cash bonuses, so right off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. They have the fastest payouts, taking just two business days. So if you know you're going to win, lay down the cash and win big at mybookie. I would only recommend them if they had been good to me. And they have a lot of great resources, in-game, live betting, rewarding player perks, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering easy and breezy. So join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use promo code LOCKEDON, one word, Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And now we can talk about some football, and what a day of football it was. The NFL, it was like it made up for all of the lackluster games that it delivered the first two weeks with just an overwhelming number of elite finishes. Vikings game was not one of them, but we'll talk about the Vikings game first. Um, it was really a domination. You know, Maybe a couple nervous minutes you know, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth when Tampa Bay was down two scores and had the ball, but then an interception quickly ended those hopes. Case Keenum. Wow. Career best game, 369 passing yards. Couple drops as well. It could have been more than 400 if Diggs hangs on to a couple more balls. But, I mean, that was an elite offensive performance that may have been even a step better than the week one game against the Saints. Yeah, Case Keenan played absolutely fantastic. And I said, you know, he's, he's a good backup. And he has the capability to go out and, and have a really good game. He's, he's a bit of a gunslinger. Uh, he's he's fairly accurate. Uh, he he moves around really well. I think probably Vikings fans notice he does move around a little better than Bradford. And when things break down or or they can move him in and out of the pocket a little bit, um, he, he's just he's he's sort of a just a younger, more athletic version uh, than Bradford. And and uh, he he played absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, he knows where to throw the ball, throw it to Stefan Diggs as much as possible. He had an unbelievable game. He's becoming a superstar uh, in this league, and uh, that was that game was a lot of fun to watch for Vikings fans. 173 yards for Stefan Diggs, two touchdowns, eight receptions. Both of the touchdowns were magnificent. You know, he shows his ability to go up at high point of football on one hand, and then on the other hand, he shows his ability to run after the catch. And Adam Thielen too. The the two just complement each other so well because. Thielen can get deep, and I think Pat Shermer addressed this on Thursday. He, he says in the case of Thielen, you don't need to be the fastest guy in the field to, to play a deep ball. 
And and I think Thielen showed that in the very first play or that first pass of the game when he goes down the sideline and he didn't have that much separation. The guy interfered with him, but just the toughness and the concentration on the ball is almost the most important thing. And I, I think Thielen shows that game after game that he's got a huge catch radius and that makes up for maybe some of his you know deficiencies in terms of speed or, or whatever. He is becoming a very, very good wide receiver. Well, it's speed is I've always thought. I mean, it's great to have as a re, uh, for, for a wide receiver, you know, a quarterback that has receivers that are fast. But um, it, it's I think more important to have guys who just understand how to get separation uh, and get open uh, f- from the defender. And uh, Thielen knows how to do that. So you know, straight vertical routes. He just has great body control uh, and great hand-eye coordination to go up and snag balls. But you know, really, it's it's the routes that he just understands how to break uh, a DB's uh, fundamentals down uh, and then get separation. And I, I think that's uh, very underappreciated in the NFL. That's not something that you can really see at the combine and and those types of things. Uh, and 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 he, he makes it easy uh, for a quarterback to get him the football. So uh, what two unbelievable finds, isn't it amazing? You know, they they you draft guys like. Treadwell in the first round, or you go out and you try to pay a lot of money for you know free agents as they have done over the years, as every team has done over the years. We've got a fifth rounder, uh, and I, is he undrafted? Is he un, completely undrafted? Undrafted, yep. And and those guys are you know having Pro Bowl type seasons, and and uh, that's 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 why that's why the NFL is so much fun as a player as you see these guys you know sort of come out of nowhere um, and accomplish great things, and you also see guys who are first on draft picks uh, underperform uh, a lot of times. And uh, so hats off to those men. Uh, hats off to Case Keenum. Uh, the defense played very well yesterday. Uh, you know, they, as, as, as you said, everyone's heart rate went up a little bit there when they're only up 14 and, and Jameis had the ball back at the 35-yard line, good field position. Uh, but Zendejo quickly shut the door on that. And uh, it was a great win, great win for the Vikings uh, I, I, I believe we both had them winning um, on on Friday, but not uh, not in that type of fashion. No, 34 points on offense. Uh, it's been a while since they produced that much just with the offense alone. A trivia question for you. So Dalvin Cook, five receptions for 72 yards. How many times in his career did Adrian Peterson exceed 72 yards receiving? That's a good question. I, I I don't know, but my guess is they'd mostly be on screen passes, um, and maybe he or maybe he had a check down that went, you know, for sixty or something in a game. Uh, but he generally wasn't the guy who caught five passes in in a game. He was not a complete back. He was an outstanding running tailback of a hand off the football to him, but he was not much a part of the passing game. Dalvin Cook is a three down back. Uh, he can really do it all. And you see that burst in his hand. So I've, they need to start designing some plays against two deep coverage and get him matched up on a Mike linebacker because he can break down any linebacker in the league. And once he catches the ball, his speed is, is off the charts. I mean, you really do feel that speed even when you watch the game on TV. Well, I've got the answer to the question. Twice is the answer. Twice in Peterson's career, he exceeded 72 yards receiving. And uh, one of those games, you were on the Vikings then, 2009, in the game where uh, Favre got battered. You lost at Carolina. Peterson had 73 yards in that game. Then two years later, he had 76 against the Panthers in Christian Ponder's first start. Otherwise, uh, I think Dalvin 
eventually is probably going to break those Peterson marks. I could see him getting some 100-yard receiving performances. Mike Zimmer said he's going to only continue to get better. And he had 169 all-purpose yards yesterday. That's the modern running back. When you can stretch the defense, make them game plan, not just for your legs, but also for your pass-catching ability. Yeah, the, the modern running back is not how many rushing yards do they get. It's just how many yards do they get in general. Uh, shoot, you could even just say the modern uh, skill position player. I mean, obviously you have the Julio Joneses, which are strictly wide receivers, but you, you talk about guys like Tyreek Hill over in Kansas City. Um, you know, these, these sort of hybrid. You know, Percy Harvin had that for the Vikings. It's not just how many yards receiving Percy had. It's well, punt returns or kickoff returns or they'd hand the ball to him in the backfield or they throw a little a screen to him or something like that. It's about just home, total yards uh, in general. And Dalvin Cook, uh, he may not have a ton of games with a lot of rushing yards, but uh, I believe he'll have a lot of games with a nice mix of rushing and receiving yards. And it looks like he's a pretty dang good blocker in pass protection. Okay, give me an X factor from yesterday's game. Somebody who flew below the radar that made an impact. We try to do this for every victory, especially Vikings X factor yesterday. Any thoughts? Well, I want to give uh, Zendejo uh, his credit where credit is due. You know, he is the number two safety on this team. Harrison Smith gets a lot of publicity, uh, and he should. Harrison's a fantastic player. He's a Pro Bowler, uh, and Zendejo is you know the sort of the unknown second guy. Another guy. Uh, undrafted, or, or I believe undrafted, maybe a seventh-round pick, sort of came out of nowhere, uh, took him a couple years, and has made himself into a, a legitimate, very good NFL safety. And, um, you know, he's a little... Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez, and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at Bush center.org slash catalyst a bit more limited he's not six foot three and and he doesn't run as fast as everybody else but the man is, is sort of all over the field makes a lot of tackles and yesterday came up uh with a key interception in the game it wasn't some hard interception but it was a key interception to really sort of seal the game there in the fourth quarter and uh, i want to give him credit where credit is due and i think he might have even been the one to deflect the pass that harrison smith picked off later on so a good game for sandejo also had some big tackles big hits i'm going to go way off the grid and go with the fullback cj ham who i think is really it shows up in a couple phases each game he's great on special teams and every game it seems like he makes a big special teams tackle had a catch yesterday for 12 yards had a little run after the catch he was the lead blocker on dalvin cook's 1 yard touchdown I'm going to go with C.J. Ham out of Duluth, Minnesota, another fan favorite. A lot of people didn't think he would make this team. They didn't think they would keep a fullback, and C.J. Ham has made it. He's got a touchdown already on the year, had a reception yesterday. C.J. gets my vote. You, you know, both of those guys, and uh, I, I always call those types of players glue guys uh, because they don't get a lot of publicity but they are sort of the glue of the football team. You know, they put me anywhere, put me at tight end, fullback, put me on special teams, uh, put me on all three or four or five special teams, whatever you need, uh, you know, get me out there and let me help out the football team. And, uh, and, and those are the best guys to have on a football team. A lot of times it's your number two tight end, 
Uh, sometimes it's a force receiver. But the guys that aren't just solid in what they do from a position standpoint, but you also can put them on all the special teams and, and wherever, and they'll do whatever's asked of you. Those glue guys uh, should never be under underappreciated. All right, I've got like four or five kind of really notable plays from yesterday in the NFL that I want to touch on. We got to talk about the ending in Detroit. I've watched this sort of like the Zapruder film, just frame by frame, trying to figure out, you know, was the knee down? Was the elbow down before the goal line? Of course, I'm referring to Golden Tate's touchdown at the very end. And then obviously the runoff, just an unfortunate circumstance with the rule, and they had to enforce it. But what do you make of that instance? Do you think the officials got it right? Detroit really loses a tough one. Detroit loses a tough one. I actually watched the ending of this. I watched the majority of this game, and uh, I, I watched. I was flipping back and forth um, with, with the Vikings game and stuff. And, and when the touchdown happened, I can't remember what happened. My daughter asking the maker some mac and cheese or something. I left and went and did that, and then <laughs> came back and I was looking at highlights from all the first games, and it shows Atlanta winning. And I'm like, what the heck happened there at the end of the football game? So I had to do some investigation. And uh, I guess good for the Vikings. Uh, that, that helps the, the Vikings out in, in, in the uh, NFC North. But that, that is a really tough loss, and it's, it's probably the right rule. I mean, if he uh, is ruled down, it's, it probably does take about 10 seconds to run up there and get everyone set and, and snap the ball. So the rule is in place. It was correctly called. Uh, to me, it looked like he was short of the goal line. It's the it's the correct play, and um, and and you, you got to think you know if if there's not a 10 second runoff, then the Atlanta Falcons get sort of screwed on that deal because uh, you know time would have ran off the clock if it was called if it wasn't called incorrectly. So strange game. The NFL always seems to have these strange games every once in a while, and rules that pop out that you didn't even know existed seems like they happen about once a month. And uh, yesterday, with all the close games, you're bound to have one of them that's. Uh, odd and, and weird like this one. I was a bit surprised it was overturned just because so often officials are connected more to the ruling on the field. And like the rule says, if it's not indisputable, they don't change it. I was, so I was expecting the call to stand, you know, as opposed to confirmed. It would just stand because they couldn't tell. But I do think there's a very decent chance the knee did hit and there's a very decent chance the elbow did hit before the goal line. He was definitely touched down, so I can see where the call was made. And and frankly, maybe just a little bit of law of averages with Detroit. They've won so many games like that in the past couple of years that they were almost due to lose a heartbreaker. So, so next week, division on the line, Vikings and Lions at U.S. Bank Stadium. That will be fantastic. If uh, the Lions win that game, I'll tell you what, Matthew Stafford's having a heck of a year. And even though they lost that game yesterday, um, I know he's the, you know the highest-paid player in the league, but he's really becoming an elite quarterback. I mean, he is really fun to watch. I, I think any team would wish you know would be happy to have him as a quarterback, other than maybe like New England or something. Uh, he he he's starting to do a little more of the Aaron Rodgers stuff, where he's buying time, and when things aren't there, he's running around. He's obviously a heck of an athlete, uh, but he is becoming just. Uh, a stud for a quarterback and and uh, he's whether they're ahead or they're behind I mean I think he's one of those guys that when he's behind he really can play and, and, and blow up the stat uh, the stat board pretty quickly uh, because he just know he's such a slinger and he's such a guy a good arm and he's accurate he's really become an elite quarterback and if that's a team that can win 11 or 12 games he could be an MVP candidate for sure I think yeah yeah, yeah I agree yeah 
So end of the first half, Bears and Steelers. More fun with the NFL rule book. First of all, what in the world is is his name Marcus Cooper? What in the yeah, world is Marcus if, if, Cooper unless, doing? Unless he's an extremely valuable player on the team, I'd have a hard time not cutting him. I, I, I would. I mean, you, you, when you have the ball in your hands, uh, and coaches talk about this, you have such a responsibility uh, to the team and to the franchise, to everybody that works in that building, whether it's a secretary, strength coach, uh, and all the players. And for him to, for no reason, um, to to you know, basically stop like that uh, is is just unbelievable. I really, I mean, he actually stopped on the one yard line, and uh, I, I'm glad it happened. It's it's a great. It happens all the time. And yet people don't learn from it. I mean, we, Stephon Diggs almost got busted with it yesterday. I, I just don't get, uh, you know, put raising the ball up or stopping, get in the end zone, give the ball to the official or spike it or whatever, and then go celebrate with your teammates. I, I don't, there's no, you know, there's no style points to me. More, you just look like an idiot. Uh, when you slow down like that, it makes no sense to me. No, and somehow the Bears got three points out of it still. There was an, an illegal bat in the end zone, and then they had a false start, and then they kicked a field goal. It, that was all a mess. And they won the game, and maybe that buys Cooper just a little bit of mercy from the head coach because they won the game. And and by the way, I don't know if you saw many highlights, but they've got a running back in Chicago They've got two. Tariq, they got two, two good, good running backs, backs. but Tariq Cohen is oh. fast. Wow. Yeah, he is fast, and he is really fun to watch. I mean, he is a special little talent. Again, you know, one of those guys that sort of like those Tyreek Hill-type players, they're smaller, but, man, they have some giddy-up and, and, and some juice and some quickness, and uh, they can take uh, a short screen or, or a handoff, and if they get some space, man, he really is impressive. He is going to be – uh, those that combination. I'm, I'm guessing they've come up with some sort of name for it at, at this point. They always seem to do thunder and lightning or whatever you want to call it. But the combination of, of Cohen and Howard in Chicago uh, is going to be tough for teams all year. Yeah, that's like lightning and lightning. Howard's Howard's a pretty fast kind of scat back, but Cohen is even smaller and faster. He's definitely a Darren Sproles mold there with the Bears. So that that could be a challenge for years to come couple more here, Texans and Patriots. The, the game-winning pass by Brady. Certainly don't want to take anything away from Brady on the throw, Brandon Cooks on the catch. But how does the defensive back for Houston more, how does he not give Cooks a subtle shove out of bounds? He is inches from the sideline. How does he let him come down without riding him out of bounds? That baffled me. Well, there's two things, and, and I'd like to – I'm going to try to find that play today and, and even, like, uh, video it and try to put it on Twitter or something. But two people make mistakes for the Texans on that play. One, the corner, the cornerback. So in cover two, the corner is responsible for the flat. But if there's not a uh, an immediate threat to the flat, and in particular at the end of a game or in a situation where it's a third and long, you're supposed to sink back as far as possible, then come up for some sort of tackle. Well, there's no reason to be threatened by a, a five-yard completion in the flat in that scenario. So the corner should have been sinking back further and further, uh, which wouldn't have allowed Brady to, to throw the ball in what they call a hole shot uh, in, the, in that area between the cover two safety and the corner. Uh, and secondly, the safety. The safety's job is to get high and wide. Uh, and and uh, he obviously was not wide enough 
uh, in that scenario. And number two, he was actually too high uh, because when you back up six or seven yards deep into the end zone, what's the point? I mean, the, the, the ball is a touchdown as soon as it crosses the goal line. So you get high and wide, but uh, not when you go five or six yards into the end zone. He should have been about three yards into the end zone, and then he would have been able to make the play, uh, and it would have been a blow-up or, or just a, a complete incomplete pass. So terrible defense, despite the fact that the Texans have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and then the most crucial play you know, of that football game, uh, two players completely opposition, and uh, somehow Brady got the ball. It almost looked like Brady was hit as he threw it, which took some steam off the ball, which made it into a perfect pass. Classic Tom Brady. Classic Tom Brady. Brandon Cooks with a breakout game, his first big game for the Patriots, 131 yards, two explosive touchdowns, crushing loss for Houston. And then uh, lastly, Giants-Eagles, really, really fun game. Odell Beckham Jr. with another just absurd celebration, but some great catches as well. Had a one-hander in the corner that was ridiculous. But Eagles win it on a 61-yard field goal at the buzzer by Jake Elliott. Eagles 2-1, and Giants 0-3, another one of your former teams struggling. Yeah, and, and one of my former teams that has a bad offensive line in some trouble, and, and it's amazing that a, a good wide receiver can make a big different difference when your line's not good, uh, just because you can get the ball out quicker and, and those guys get separation right off the bat. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, the Giants aren't good right now. Uh, Eagles have a pretty good football team. That NFC East is, uh, is going to be a battle all year long, and, and you never want to count a team out after only three football games. But uh, with, with the other teams and the Redskins winning last night, the NFC East is going to be hard for, them, hard for them to come back and get 10 or 11 wins this year. So that was a fun game to watch. I think a lot of Midwesterners are just naturally root for Carson Wentz since he's from the Dakotas. Uh, he's obviously a very good player, franchise player. Um, and that was a fantastic football game. Did you see the video of uh, the kicker's dad and mom in the stands? I might have, have even watched it off of your tweet that you tweeted this morning. Uh, that was That was really special. It was special, and I think people don't realize that these these players out there, these men out there, I mean, they they have families, and, and they have parents who have followed them their entire career, uh, and then you get that one special moment. This guy sort of off the street, sort of a no-name guy, kicks a 61-yarder uh, to win a football game. I mean, that is a, a, a very special moment, and the fact that somebody caught that uh, with the camera was absolutely fantastic, and you really got to see you know, how much uh, you know families are affected by these wins and losses too. That is for sure. That's still a kid out there, you know. That's a that's a twenty a young twenty something kid. That's pretty cool. Great great day of football. Uh, thanks for breaking it all down with us, Sage. I'm sure you've got a lot of other duties today, the day after NFL Sunday. So we'll let you get to them, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Sounds good. Talk Wednesday. All right. He's Sage. I'm Sam. It's Locked on Vikings. It's a Locked on Podcast Network. This edition of Locked on Vikings brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Get into all the action with MyBookie.ag where they will match your deposit up to 100%. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Win a subscription to Pro Football Focus. All you have to do is leave a review on our iTunes page. Leave your Twitter handle in the review and win a $40 PFF subscription and break down football like you never have before. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. It's the thrill that won our key.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.